There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to a History of Europe Key Battles podcast. This is the Russo-Turkish War of 1768-74, to 74, the second and concluding part. Last week I gave some background to the Russo-Turkish War. The Ottoman Sultan Mustafa III, concerned about growing Russian ambition, declared war on St. Petersburg after a clash on their common frontier. The Russian Tsarina, Catherine the Great, responded quickly and formed an alliance with a nomadic tribe called the Yedisen Nogais, who lived in a zone between the two empires in the steppe lands north of the Black Sea. The war which ensued took place on several different fronts on the northern and eastern littorals of the Black Sea. From west to east, they fought on the River Danube, around the River Dniestra in Moldavia, at the Perakop Isthmus, which led into the Crimean Peninsula, in the territory between the River Don and the Caucasus, and also as far down as Georgia in the Caucasus Mountains. The Crimean Khanate was poorly defended, with many of their troops stationed in Romania, so the Russians were able to quickly capture the forts of Azov and Taganrog in the spring of 1759, and so gained access to the Sea of Azov, a northern extension of the Black Sea, separated from the main body of the sea by a narrow strait. A major Russian army also descended into the Kuban region, of the northern Caucasus Mountains, where they fought the local Tatar tribe and reached as far as Georgia. Meanwhile to the west, a Russian army, led by General Golitsyn, crossed the river Dniester into Moldavia, and in early July besieged the Ottoman-held fortress of Khotin, a site of several previous battles, most notably the Battle of Khotin, 1621, described in an earlier podcast. The fortress had a garrison of about 10,000 men, including an elite contingent of janissaries. The Russian army was short of supplies, and after 27 days, desperate for food, retreated back across the Dniestra. The Ottomans built a bridge over the Dniestra and attacked the Russians, but were defeated in a day-long battle and suffered perhaps 3,000 casualties. 
In September, the Russians crossed the river again, only to find the Khotin fortress entirely deserted. The Turks had left, largely due to lack of supplies, but also because of desertions and quarrelling among the commanders. Golitsyn ordered a small corps of grenadiers and Cossack cavalry to move south to pursue the fleeing Turks, seize the Moldavian capital of Yashi and to rouse the Moldavians to revolt. Yashi was defended by just 300 Turks, so was quickly captured. The cavalry pushed on towards Chisora and towards the Danube crossing, where they found guns, wagons and stragglers from the fleeing Ottoman army. The Russian forces marched through Wallachia and entered Bucharest on November the 21st. The invaders were further emboldened by an anti-Ottoman national movement in Moldavia, and by the end of the year, 6,000 local volunteers had joined their army. The main Turkish army, meanwhile, fled across the Danube with scarcely a fight, but reinforced the garrisons of towns such as Ibrail and Georgiou. Over winter, the Russians then harried the Ottoman fortresses on the river Danube, especially around Georgiou. In February, they encountered and defeated a Turkish army of some 20,000, who were sent to try and recover Bucharest. By mid-February, the Russians had also captured Georgiou, which was poorly defended by the Turks in spite of a garrison of 10,000 cavalry and 5,000 infantry. The historian Virginia Axen, in her book Ottoman Wars 1700-1870, An Empire Besieged, writes that the Ottoman war effort was paralysed by uncoordinated command and insubordination of the troops, who preferred pillage and desertion to sustained attack. The damage to the Danubian defence system as a result of the Russian successes of 1769 was incalculable and also promised to cripple the Ottoman supply system for a second year in a row. Furthermore, the Grand Vizier, who was leading the defence, had only some 20,000 troops, and his forces were depleted by desertion, as much as they were increased by new arrivals from Anatolia. There were, however, pockets of effective Ottoman resistance, such as at the town of Ibrail on the River Danube in the east of Romania and the commander Abdi Pasha had some success in pushing the Russian advance guard back from the area around Klyova to Yashi, where the commander Rumantsev had established Russian headquarters. The Russians were somewhat concerned that the Turks might come up in force through Moldavia, along the river Prut, to cut off Rumantsev's line of communication with Khotin. They discovered that the Ottomans were sending a large army comprising Tatar cavalry and Turkish infantry, and the two sides met on the banks of the River Laga, a tributary of the River Prut. After eight hours of fighting, the Tatars and Turks began to abandon their position and were dispersed. The Russian cavalry began to pursue, but were too exhausted to follow up on their victory. About a thousand Turks had been killed and more probably perished in the marshes while retreating. 
Russian losses were minimal. Reconnaissance by the Russian vanguard revealed that the Turks defeated at Lager had encamped near the river Kagul. The Grand Vizier finally took his army across the Danube, using 300 boats to engage with the Russian army of Rumiantsev. Rumiantsev, in spite of the overwhelming superiority of numbers of the enemy, perhaps 150,000 Turks and 80,000 Tatars, decided to attack the Ottoman camp at Kagul, who had dug themselves into lines of trenches. The largest battle of the campaign, the Battle of Kagul, began very early in the morning of the 1st of August, 1770. As the central Russian lines advanced in square formation, they came under attack by the Turkish cavalry. They had to peel off some of their grenadiers and musketeers to form new squares to prevent enemy encirclement. After three hours, the Turkish cavalry retreated in the face of heavy gunfire and the arrival of infantry reserves. The vanguard had nearly reached the first line of enemy trenches when a thousand janissaries erupted from a gully on the left flank and attacked with cold steel. They managed to break into one of the Russian squares, forcing some of the Russians to flee to another square. Rumiantsev prevented a rout by coming up and calling on the troops to hold their ground before bringing up a brigade of grenadiers and some field guns. The janissaries fell back and the squares reformed and resumed their advance. The Russian cavalry then put the janissaries to flight. Meanwhile, the Russian right flank reached the Turkish trenches and subjected them to heavy musket and field gunfire. Their left flank also advanced and turned round to reach the enemy rear. The Turks, fearing that they were about to be encircled, started to abandon their camp and fled southwards to the Danube. Some 3,000 Ottoman soldiers are thought to have died directly in the battle, but worse was to follow. Those fleeing had to cross the Danube by boat. The Russians fired on them as they tried to get on board. As Rumiantsev reported, quote, fleeing troops were crushing and slashing each other, some climbing about the ships, others clutching at the ropes and planks. The greatest loss was there, as evidenced by the drowned bodies floating in the river. End quote. Estimates are at, at least 20,000 Ottoman soldiers perished compared to 1,000 or 1,500 total Russian casualties, including those wounded. Meanwhile, a second Russian army advanced into Moldavia and besieged the town of Benda on the river Dniestra. The garrison put up fierce resistance, both along the town wall and in the narrow streets where the Turks had put up snipers. A force of Turkish cavalry and infantry sorted from the main gates, but they were nearly wiped out. Both sides suffered particularly heavy casualties, but the garrison finally surrendered after two months of fighting in which a third of the Russian army had perished. By the end of the year 1770, the Russians had overrun all the Turkish fortresses north of the River Danube, once traditional bulwarks of the Ottoman Empire. With the fall of Benda, the fortresses of the Dniestra likewise fell to the Russians. 
Russia had pulled off a remarkable series of crushing victories over the Ottomans in 1770, but there was one more particularly astonishing achievement. Towards the end of that year, Catherine embarked on the ambitious project of invading Greece and encouraging its people to liberate themselves from the Ottoman yoke. For some time, the Russian church had spread propaganda, promising arms to the Greeks in support of a revolt. The Turks dismissed as fanciful rumours that a Russian fleet was on its way from the Baltic to the Mediterranean. A Russian fleet was indeed assembled at the port of Kronstadt, near St Petersburg, assisted by an experienced English admiral, John Elphinston. The Russian navy was still young and rather backward. Nevertheless, it set off from the Baltic and stopped off in British ports, where it received supplies and equipment. It then sailed around Western Europe into the Mediterranean and appeared off the coast of Maria in Greece, where the Russians joined to help a revolt which was underway. The Ottoman governor of Maria, with Albanian reinforcements, defeated both Greek insurgents and the foreign invaders, driving the Russian troops back to their ships. But the Russian force remained in the Mediterranean and proved more successful at sea than in land operations. It defeated an Ottoman fleet in the Straits of Chios, driving it to take refuge in the narrow inlet of Cheshma. Here it was blockaded and set ablaze by two unsuspected fireships. Some 5,000 Ottoman sailors lost their lives. Only the Grand Admiral's ship escaped, and he was dismissed. According to Lord Kinross, in his book Ottoman Centuries, this was the worst disaster that had befallen an Ottoman fleet since the Battle of Lepanto. It was celebrated by Catherine the Great with the erection of a triumphal arch at the imperial residence of Zarskaya Selo. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The campaign season of the year 1771 involved skirmishes in and around the fortresses of the Danube, but with no significant gains from either side. The main military action that year was in Crimea. In late spring, one army crossed the Strait of Kirch, which separates the Sea of Azov from the Black Sea. Another, led by the Russian general, 
Dolgoruki, in which there were elements of the Yedison Horde, marched into the peninsula through the Perakop Isthmus. He immediately issued, in Catherine's name, a manifesto promising that she would, quote, provide the Tatars with their former independence if they broke away from the slavery of the Ottoman port, end quote. The whole peninsula was quickly overrun amid scenes of disorder, intensified by internal conflict between the Turks and Tatars. At the beginning of July, his army entered the port of Kaffa and chased the Ottoman governor, Ibrahim Pasha, to Istanbul. A few days later, the Khan, Salim Jirai, surrendered to the Russians. He soon after abdicated and fled. Under Russian pressure, the clan leaders selected a new Khan, Sahib II Jirai. Hope for the Ottomans came from Vienna, where Maria Theresa and her advisers were concerned about the Russians gaining a permanent foothold in Moldavia and Wallachia, an area they regarded as within Austria's sphere of influence. In the year 1771, they concentrated a 60,000-strong army in Hungary as a show of strength and began negotiations with the Sultan, with demands for the key fortresses of Belgrade in Vidin in return for military assistance against Russia. Catherine the Great, for her part, was demanding that both Moldavia and Wallachia be ceded to Russia for a period of 25 years. The Russians tried to exert influence on the Russians by providing military assistance to the Bar Confederacy rebels, using the insecurity in her frontier zone as an excuse. And they also seized a slice of Polish territory they claimed belonged to the Kingdom of Hungary. Meanwhile, Frederick the Great of Prussia approached St. Petersburg and Vienna with a different solution. Keen to wean Austria away from France and to bind her to an alliance with Prussia and Russia, he proposed carving off parts of Poland and sharing it between the three of them, arguing that the Republic's weakness had reached the point where it was a threat to international stability. Maria Theresa was at first uncertain and her advisers were divided, but once Frederick and Catherine had already made their minds up on the partition, it became clear it was in Austria's best interests to join in and get a share of the booty. In what is known to posterity as the First Partition of Poland of 1772, the Commonwealth of Poland-Lithuania lost about a third of its territory and population. Prussia did very well, acquiring West Prussia on the Baltic coast, thus creating a land link between East Prussia and Brandenburg. Frederick moved quickly to resettle some 57,000 Prussian families in the region and to impose his own custom duties on the port of Danzig. Russia took large areas in Livonia and White Russia, strengthening her western border. Austria, for her part, gained the most in terms of territory and new subjects, but its newly acquired province of Galicia, Lodomeria, was economically underdeveloped and difficult to assimilate. In the year 1773, Russian troops ensured ratification of the partition of the Polish Diet and agreed to work together to crush the Bar Confederacy Revolt.
King Stanislav of Poland accepted his position as a Russian client, working under the close supervision of the Russian ambassador. The historian Anthony Upton writes that critics condemned the partition as a moral outrage and a blatant armed robbery. Others, on the other hand, saw it as a major success for realism in international relations. A potential European war, which nobody wanted, was averted. The partitioners got their loot while maintaining their regional balance of power. For the Russians, agreeing the partition meant that they could now focus their resources on a resolution to the war with the Ottomans. The Sultan was at first reluctant to accept Russian demands, in spite of his army's disastrous performance on the battlefield. In the year 1773, there appeared to be hope of a military recovery, when a new Grand Vizier, Mushina Zadeh Pasha, inspired a new lease of life into his troops. He reorganised and reinforced the army and embarked on a new campaign on the south bank of the Danube. First, the Turks withstood a siege in the Bulgarian city of Silistra, and then another in Varna, forcing a Russian withdrawal. But when the Russians decisively defeated the Ottomans once more at the fortress of Hersova, the Sultan finally gave in and requested an armistice. Negotiations were opened and terms settled in the Treaty of Kujukanacha. The signature was deliberately delayed by four days by the Russians to coincide with the anniversary of the treaty agreed at the River Prut in the year 1711 and thus wipe out the memory of that bitter Russian defeat. Catherine had originally intended to annex Wallachia and Moldavia but backed down for two reasons. In part, she came under pressure from Austria, and secondly, the latter part of the war coincided with a major popular revolt, the largest in her reign, and a reaction to the appalling social conditions of the time. In southern Russia, an ex-soldier named Yemelian Pugachev inspired a rebellion which gained support from various groups including peasants, Cossacks and the priesthood of old believers. The revolt quickly spread across the territory between the Volga River and the Urals, and the rebels captured the city of Kazan in July 1774. Catherine was forced to redeploy troops from the war with the Ottomans, and her army finally caught up with Pugachev in August and defeated his rebel army at Zavitsin, now known as Volgorod, killing some 10,000 of his supporters. By early September, the rebellion was crushed. Yemelian Pugachev was captured and sent to Moscow, where he was beheaded on the 21st of January, 1775. Although the terms of the Treaty of Kuchukainacha were not as severe as they might otherwise have been for the Ottomans, it was nevertheless a turning point in the relations between the Russian and Ottoman Empire, and arguably between Europe and the Middle East. It has also been described as the first partition of the Ottoman Empire, especially because of the significance of the loss of Crimea, the first Muslim area lost to the Europeans.
the Russians made considerable territorial gains across the northern Black Sea region, around the river Dnieper, and also in the North Caucasus in the region of Kabardia, around the rivers Kuban and Terek. The strategic port of Azov was also confirmed as Russian and was allowed to be fortified. Catherine also crucially achieved the granting of access to the Black Sea to her navy, which the Russians had coveted since the days of Peter the Great. And Russian merchant ships could now pass freely through the Bosporus into the Mediterranean. An additional benefit from the conquest of the Pontic steppe north of the Black Sea was the region's fertile soils. It became Russia's granary and helped to provide the foodstuffs to help sustain a substantial growth in population. Russia returned Wallachia and Moldavia to Ottoman control, but was given the right to protect Christians in the Ottoman Empire and to intervene in Wallachia and Moldavia in case of Ottoman religious oppression. This was to prove of immense significance as a potential for Russian intervention in Ottoman affairs in the 19th century. More immediately, the most significant consequence of the treaty was that the Khanate of Crimea was given the independence it didn't want, in which was widely assumed to be a step to automatic full annexation. For sure, retention by Russia of key fortresses and the fortress of Azov gave a strong foothold and effectively gave her the means of taking it over whenever she chose. Yet it is perhaps surprising that Catherine was not immediately intent on annexation. For a while there was a lack of clear direction from St Petersburg on foreign policy until the rise in influence at court of Grigory Potemkin, a vigorous advocate of further expansion and colonisation in the south. Catherine seems to have been won over to his schemes and in 1779 christened her grandson Constantine to symbolise the idea of dramatic southern expansion which came to be associated with the so-called Greek project. This aimed at the expulsion of the Turks from Europe and an aspiration to build a new Byzantine empire around the Turkish capital in Constantinople. Catherine's policy towards Crimea immediately after the war was reminiscent of her treatment of Poland in the 1760s, that is, turning it into a dependency. Russian troops first established Sahib Jirai as Khan as puppet ruler and then suppressed an uprising against him. As it became clear that Sahib Jirai was unable to contain the revolts and to bring order to the peninsula, the Russian government tired of supporting him. In 1783, Catherine the Great issued a manifesto that put an end to the short-lived independent state of Crimea and formally annexed it to the Russian Empire. It was the most significant change in southeastern Europe in a generation after the Seven Years' War, a key milestone in a dramatic shift of power from Constantinople to St. Petersburg. The Black Sea was no longer a Turkish lake. The annexation was enabled by a shift in Russia's foreign policy when an alliance with Prussia was replaced by one with Austria. The Russo-Austrian alliance would soon lead to the emergence of an expansionist Russian policy into the Balkans 
which would further inflame tensions between the Russian and Ottoman empires for decades to come. I hope you can join me next week for the French Revolutionary Wars. That will be followed by the Napoleonic Wars, and then, of course, we get into the 19th century. So I look forward to all that, and uh, so I hope you can join me next time. All the best. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.